Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we continue our trek towards the draft, people. Three more short weeks until we have these rosters about as finalized as we're going to get ahead of the 2021 season. I'm excited. You're excited. You know, no XFL, no AF to you know, kind of shave away some of these days during this year. So, you know, this recorded old football all the way from past fall is the best we got at the moment. So in our continued lead up to the draft, I have another very special guest on to help us get better accustomed with this flock of rookies about to enter the NFL. He is the lead draft analyst at PFF, co-host of Two for One Drafts. You already know the man, Mike Renner, you can find on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Mike, happy draft season. And uh, you were saying before the show, your fifth podcast of the day, man. You are quite a busy man uh, during this time of the year. Fifth podcast today, I'm not done yet. I got another one tonight. So it's busy, but honestly wouldn't have it any other way. April is the best month of the year, in my opinion. Man, it's one of those things where if you just had even a little little taste of the real world, which I know you have and I've had too, anytime that you can just get away with the day talking about football, watching football, writing about it, whatever it might be, certainly could be a lot worse. So per usual with this format, I'm going to ask Mike 10 questions, mostly related to the drafts, a few wild cards here and there, and let's get after it, man. So Mike had an article go out this week. I was looking at the most fantasy-friendly QBs just from a projected rush attempt standpoint. And man, Trey Lance stands out. Our PFF pro comp for him is pretty hilariously Taysom Hill with legit arm talent. We don't know where he's going to go, but just in terms of kind of the way he plays, do you think Lance is capable of providing that Taysom-esque production under center, just being a guy that is going to take off and run double-digit times almost every game? 100%. And I think that's his best usage at the NFL level. I think it'd be crazy not to take advantage of it. The, the, the thing is, though, it's like, will that be this year? Because look at his projected or even feasible landing spots, Atlanta. He's not going to be the star there. If it's Carolina, he's not going to be the star there. Detroit, not going to be the star there. Denver, New England, he's not starting year one, any of those landing spots. And that's that's kind of it. That's where he would go. So in my opinion, he, he would not necessarily be a play for obviously for draft, not for this year. But in the future, I think the rest of his rookie contract, wherever he goes, you can expect some big rushing numbers from him certainly does seem like the rawest guy out there. How concerned are you with his kind of ability to become more of a pure passer? We know we're getting from him as a rusher, but is this like a Jalen Hurts type situation where we're kind of a little too worried about it? We know he's got a bazooka for a right arm. So I guess uh, how concerned are you with his ability to develop into more of, you know, just the pocket passer everybody wants these quarterbacks to be? Yeah, I, I do like the Jalen Hurts sort of worries from from – perspective of it's like the, the ball placement is just not where you need you want it to be now he's also last time we saw him I guess we saw him one game this past fall but like it was a redshirt freshman year compared to Jalen Hurts senior year uh Jalen Hurts just didn't have the arm strength that you ever thought oh you know I think just reeling in a little bit he can expand the field so much that the windows just they get bigger down the football field you're throwing into when you have a cannon for an arm you don't have to be pinpoint when you're throwing it 40 yards downfield. Oftentimes you're throwing into larger windows. Guys adjust to the football for you. So I, I do think that in time he'll get there or like will develop. There's actual things wrong, like mechanically that are inconsistent that a you know quarterback coach will work with and get him more consistent at. You'll see an uptick in his accuracy for sure. But yeah, he is at a level where it's like, it's still concerning. It's still going to hamper him and still not a guy you want to throw the wolves year one. Look, people, he's not going to be 
Trevor Lawrence from day one. He's a different player in fantasy football. We don't really care. As long as he keeps running the ball like he did at North Dakota State, that is just fine for us. Staying on the quarterback topic. So, look, we can pencil into any mock draft at this point. Trevor Lawrence to Jaguars at one. Zach Wilson to Jets at two. I think we all get that. Now, in the fantasy world with our average draft positions already, Lawrence is kind of already being priced as the QB 15, QB 16, right in that QB 2 range, whereas Zach Wilson much more closer to the bottom of the barrel. I'm sure that will start to move up a little bit now that Donald's been traded and people can really see that he's there. But do you think that Wilson and this Jets offense can make some noise as early as 2021, or could you see this really being ugly until they get some more pieces around him? I'm not sure it's going to be ugly. It's just one rookie quarterbacks. It's rare to hit the ground running uh, Two, It's a big step up from what, you know, the competition level from BYU to the NFL. And then three, they still kind of have a middling group of wide receiver talent. They're like Denzel. You're relying on Denzel Mims to be your wide receiver one there. who was a late second rounder. Yeah. He's freak athletically, but it's just like, he didn't hit the ground running quite like the, a lot of the other rookie wide receivers did not saying he can't make a second year leap. It's just, that's what you're relying on. And then you still have a hodgepodge offensive line that they would like to fix some more in the draft. You really only have Mekhi Becton, their left tackle that you feel great about going forward. So I think that's the biggest thing. Like, like Michael Flores play caller, like the long-term fit and where he's going. It's just year one. You don't have a lot of pieces to work with. And just from looking at Wilson, I mean, okay, he had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. He is capable of, you know, running the ball and he's, you know, he's far from not athletic or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but it certainly seems like, you know, he's trying to evade the pressure so he can throw, wouldn't necessarily be someone I would expect to give us much of a consistent rushing floor. And and also as a rookie, he can run it's but it's, I think it would be like Kyler Murray's rookie season where it's like, you don't want to get him killed (laughs) in year one, you know, like you, you don't have the team that's going to compete. Once you do, then by all means, use him as a rushing threat in your offense. He should be. I mean, if he did run at his pro day, I would have expected him to be in like the low four sixes. Like he is nimble in the open field. You see him shake guys too. But that, like I said, year one, do you like, you're not going to be that team focus on him in the pocket winning from there, then add the rushing ability to make it easier on him later. And please try to help some of those skill position talents. One of the funnier interviews uh, from the past week was Robbie Anderson talking up, you know, how Sam Donald didn't have a lot of help around him. And it's like, well, Robbie, you were kind of <laughs> part you, of that. Buddy. But, oh, man, hopefully my guy Chris Herndon gets that, you know, token, just fourth-year uh, tight end leap. Oh, man, that was just one of my biggest misses. But <laughs> moving on, Mike, you had a great article go up on PFF.com this week. Your QB draft superlatives, you know, big five took on most of the awards. I did notice, though, we had Kellen Mond uh, win war supporting cast at A&M and David Mills uh, make qu- a quickest decision maker over at Stanford. So they do seem to pr- be pretty clearly behind those big five. But I think it was rap sheet earlier this week. Did say people were starting to get a little more interested in them potentially even in the second round are you buying this are either Mond or mills you know potential nfl starters we'll say as early as you know 2022 i kind of am uh, uh, more so for davis mills i think kelman could eventually but the davis mills thing is interesting because it, i i think i said on two for one drafts podcast i said if it wasn't this high-end all-time sort of quarterback class where five guys might go in the top you know 10 picks you'd be getting that Davis Mills round one buzz. Like he'd be, he'd be that guy this year. It's like, you know, some teams got a round one grade on him sort of thing that some teams could fall in love with. And, and honestly, prospect wise, I see him very similarly to like a Daniel Jones, just with less experience in terms of how he operates, you know, from the pocket and his strengths and weaknesses. So the NFL is going to be high in him. I, I think he can play in the NFL. I don't necessarily see a special arm. You don't have any of the mobility and athleticism that the top guys do in this draft class. 
but I do think he could be a starter in time for sure in the NFL level. The Kalamon one, I, just, I don't think he's accurate. Like, I just don't see the accuracy on tape from him. And now he did have the worst forecast. Like I said, doesn't have a lot of guys getting open. It's not going to be, I don't think Jamon Osmond's even getting drafted as top receiver from 2019. So he doesn't have a lot of talent around him, but still didn't overcome that lack of talent either. Yeah, everyone, I encourage you to check out the PFF, uh, you know, 2021 NFL draft big board at pff.com. And if you look at it, you know, one of the big metrics I've been paying attention to is our big time throw rate. And that was the issue with Mon. Like, just, okay, you know, finally, when his kind of supporting death uh, or supporting cast, excuse me, caught up to him, we just still didn't see him making hardly any big time throws down the field. Whereas Davis Mills, even if he doesn't have the elite arm talent, did come in at 7.7%, which was 13th uh, in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see he was a former five star recruit. You know, as someone, just isn't yep. that locked into it watch a couple of highlights and you just kind of think he's you know the stanford kind of ball control uh quarterback but maybe with a little bit extra work in the nfl he could emerge as a you know i guess the middle round quarterback of the year in his class so mills flipped from all alabama to stanford which then opened up the spot for mac jones to go to alabama who was originally committed to kentucky so a little domino effect it there. all comes around all comes yeah. around. all right moving on the running backs here pretty clear Big three, I think, around the industry. Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Najee Harris, top three backs. Let's say we have a neutral situation, surrounding cast. God's kind enough to turn off injuries. Who do you want to give 400-plus touches? I think it's Javante Williams. I I think he has the NFL all-around skill set that can produce uh, on a high workload. He just, to me, he's very similar – Physically, he's like a bigger version of Alvin Kamara in that he's just so sudden. He's just so explosive through the hole. Maybe he's not going to run outrun you in a foot race, but there's so few, you know, big home run play opportunities in the NFL. Those are very uh, hit and miss in terms of when you get those. But he is just has that NFL body to then break tackles at a consistently high level like we saw at North Carolina. He did it at the highest level we've ever seen this past season in terms of per touch basis. So. Yeah, I just think Javante Williams, youngest of the bunch, I just think he's on an upward trajectory that continue in the NFL. Outrageous 95.9 rushing grade, 76 broken tackles on only 157 attempts. He didn't drop three passes on just 27 catchable targets. So you said, you know, Kamara-esque. I'm guessing you mean a little bit more with the ball in his hands. Exactly. Do you think so? Like to me, watching him, okay, he had the drops. He didn't, wasn't, you know, lining up in the slot doing anything too special, but to me, it was almost like Jonathan Taylor where, okay, he's not someone that's probably going to beat out a really good receiving back, but if the Steelers or the Falcons or the Jets want to make Javante their three down back, I don't think he's a bad enough receiver to stop that from happening. No, not at all. And I actually think he can get open. Like his route running was good. It's just the hands weren't quite there. And the thing was like, that was Travis Etienne after his sophomore year too. Everyone's complained about his hands and then he worked on it. And I'm like the old Mike Leach, how do you get a guy to catch better? throw the throw the jugs machine at him every day after like it, it can work it can get better to a degree and especially when you're catching swings and stuff out of the backfield at running back these uh 21 22 year olds are allowed to get better as they continue to play football a lot of people forget that it's my job <laughs> to figure that out <laughs> kind of kind of important in the grand scheme of things so yeah. as the uh columbus ohio lifer i am trey sermon's been someone i've uh you know been a big fan of over the at least the past six months or so came on incredibly strong with huge games against northwestern and clemson Man, you were talking about Kamara with Javante. I think in terms of just like a swag of looks, uh, Sermon's kind of got that Kamara <laughs> look to him with the turf tape and, uh, you know, the big chains 
got rocking too. With that said, all things aside, I see, you know, we only have Sermon as our RB10 on the big board right now. With that said, he does seem to have, you know, sort of well-rounded game where I know he'll be drafted, not, not James Robinson undrafted mm-hmm. situation, but maybe if he lands in the right spot where you just look around, you go, well, shit, how did Trey Sermon become our three down back? Do you think he is well-rounded enough to, if he lands in the right spot, be someone that we see starting sooner rather than later? I do. And honestly, he's coming up from RB10 because I was surprised at how he tested athletically as pro day. Like I always thought he was pretty sudden, pretty, you know, could hit the hole, but didn't, thought he was very lacking in terms of his long speed, but then he ran the high four fives and obviously that's pro day. So maybe it's more of like a four, six, low four, six of the combine. But like, I think what he did in terms of the jumps there too, he can, that can win at the NFL level. Like the tackle breaking ability we saw at Ohio State that we saw at Oklahoma that can continue at the NFL level when you are that level of physicality. So yeah, I think I'm higher on sermon much higher after that. Cause I was, that was my biggest question mark was just what kind of athlete is this guy? Cause he just, I like some of the big runs he had on tape. It was just, I mean, fuck Justin Fields caught him on the one, you know, like Justin Fields <laughs> caught him from behind. So that's like a little worrisome, but I, I do think that he has a well-rounded sort of NFL body at the running back position. Yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't all season at Ohio State, but you just look at that peak, that two-game peak, man, uh, down the stretch, truly was making a lot happen. His uh, this balance through contact was truly something special to watch. We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. If the basketball team of your choosing hits a three, Hey, I, w- I wouldn't recommend many friends to bet on my Cavaliers, but I think they might be able to cash this one. Code PFF, turn $1 into $100 in free bets. All they got to do is hit a three for a limited time. Only a drafting sportsbook must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Just not me. Moving on. Mike, I think you said, man, might have been you if I was wrong. My bad. Terrence Marshall, someone that has been rising up the ranks and now might be in that first round territory. You know, I was kind of drunk the other night, pulled up to some 2019 Joe Burrow highlights because you know what else are you supposed to do on a Monday? I saw this guy popping off the page, man. Look, even if Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are way better, like those are two arguably top 20 wide receivers in the NFL right now, depending on how high you are and Chase coming out. What do you think of Terrace Marshall? And is he a number one receiver that's just been overshadowed by playing with two teammates as good as Jefferson and Chase? I think he very well could be. He has that level of physical tools. I think he's still improving, still not even 21 years old. Like this guy is legitimately got better from sophomore year to junior year. And if he continues to get stronger, like he could be that outside number one type of guy, but still is a little thin framed, like still has not, uh, like you watch him compare Jamar Chase and Chase is just a different level of alpha on the outside in terms of the way he plays the game. I think Marshall can I don't want to say get to Chase's level, but he can get up there. Like he has four, three speed, massive, massive catch radius. The, the guy has the ball skills and you saw his route running really improve this past season, playing more from the slot in terms of the way he's able to sink in and out of his cuts. So I think you'll get there. Like if you just watch his tape, maybe it's not necessarily round one surefire tape, but the it's there. Like it is all there to get to that sort of guy at the NFL level. 
Did you notice in general more of these? I mean, look, Marshall's 6'3", 200. He was playing more out of the slot. That's great. Why not try to create better matchups for, matchups for your player? Do you see college and then I kind of in turn NFL teams starting to place less importance on having, you know, your typical Hunter Renfro as slot receiver? Can we finally just put, you know, the better, more number one receiver in the slot and not make a big deal out of it? I do think so. And I think they want like the slot is a vertical weapon is the biggest thing. The biggest kind of thing teams are realizing at the NFL level is like the guy who's you don't want him basically replacing your tight end and running option routes five yards down the football field. That's fine. Like he, That still has a place, but the slot can be a weapon in terms of attacking defenses down the middle of the field and the seams and that sort of thing. And I think that's more, and they're really like, that's an easy throw for quarterbacks. It's a much easier throw to attack the seam than it is to attack all the way on the far, on the hash or on the sidelines. It just gives receivers bigger windows than when you don't have a five foot nine guy running that seam. I understand the desire, you know, you can't spend your resources everywhere. Not every team can have four just all around baller wide receivers, but you know, if you can, why not? Why, why, why do you have to have, you know, this limited player playing your slot and, you know, one field stretcher, one, uh, you know, alpha one, if we can find a way to get three alphas and one offense people, I am here for it. Uh, Mike, the Packers stand out as a team that could add a high end receiver that could quickly emerge as, I mean, their number two pass game option. Maybe they end up in the Rogers doghouse, but just in terms of looking across the depth charts behind Devonte Adams with all due respect, respect to MVS, you know, Lazard and Tunyon, just not much there. Now I understand they're probably going to be boring and disappoint us and not take a wide receiver, but let's say they do. Who would you be pumped about the Packers taking at pick number 29? Any of them. Shit. A wide <laughs> receiver. I would be pumped about a wide receiver. Uh, real, more realistically, I would love Rashad Bateman because I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Get a receiving core that has multiple guys that can go anywhere and do anything. And, and not limit yourself to this. I have our deep threat and Marcos Valdez scaling. I have our possession guy in Alan Lazard. And then I have our ex in Devonte Adams. It's like, mm, that didn't, that didn't work out against a team that could actually match up with Devonte Adams. That actually has three good cornerbacks. You can't really just always scheme to one skill set. get a guy who can do it all. I think that is Rashad Bateman to me. He's a six foot and a half inch, 190 pound, impeccable route runner gets off the line of scrimmage. That guy is, that's been the Packers sort of type when it goes back to down driver, Greg Jennings, Jordan Nelson is a little bit bigger than that, but then even Devonte Adams, like that size of route runners, those are the guys they have drafted. Uh, even Terrence Murphy, the guy 25, 2005 who got hurt after his rookie year. That's like the type that they've had their entire uh, sort of Ron Wolf to Ted Thompson to Brian Gutekunst now. So, that's the guy I think could be the pick if he is there on the board. And that would be the one who would get me most excited. I mean, you know, we don't want to throw around all pro comps lightly, but he is getting the Keenan Allen NFL yeah. player comp uh, on our PFF draft big board. And yeah, I mean, I, I, all right, Will Fuller would make every offense in the league better. I truly believe that. With that said, like, I never got the whole, like, we need to add a field structure to Green Bay. I understand MBS has had his issues with the drops, but he can do that job well enough. Adding someone like Bateman that can, you know, more effectively work inside and outside. You know, I was hoping they get Curtis Samuel. I feel like adding someone that can move all over and just be great at whatever they ask him to do would fit this offense absolutely yeah. perfect. Another guy that we know can line up all over the place, Kyle Pitts. Now, Mike, the fantasy football track record of rookie tight ends is absolutely miserable. We've had Gronk and Evan Ingram since 2010 uh, finish as top 12 producers. Evan Ingram needed, like, that was the year Beckham, I think, broke his leg, like, after four games. So mm -hmm. even that was a little bit fishy. Now, Kyle Pitts, you know, all signs point to him is going to the top 12. 
his film looks like he's the number one receiver, man, that we happen to call a tight end. How worried are you about him landing somewhere where, you know, let's say he goes to Giants and Jason Garrett's just like, you know what? You can't block well enough to be an inline tight end for me. Like, is have we finally, in the year 2021, can we assume rational coaching with a talent like Kyle Pitts, or are you a little bit worried about it? I don't think I'm that worried about it because anyone you draft in the top 10, you're doing it because you have a plan for how to use them. Although I say that in Isaiah Simmons last year, they really just like kind of like threw him in. <laughs> you, you'd like him. to think you have a plan. You'd like to think they have a plan. And, and like, if you don't, I don't think you covet the tight end position that highly. If you don't have a plan, if you're just going to use him as your inline tight end and say, that's cool, we're done there. So I, I do think, said so in 2021, if you're drafting tight end that highly, it's because you're using him in a creative manner that's going to best maximize that. So yeah, I, I feel good about his transition being fairly smooth. And I mean, I know people can bring up like he's a tweener and this and that about him. It's not like there's this rich history of a bunch of tweener tight ends like this going in the first round. We had Eric Ebron, but, you know, your Hawkinson's, your fans, everyone else, they've been pretty, you know, solidified as like more traditional inline blocking tight ends, even if they have plus abilities as receiver. I feel like the NFL is very clear. I mean, we even had some people uh, wondering if Pitts could just straight up be considered a wide receiver. We see in fantasy, it's Travis Kelsey. George Kittle, Darren Waller are dominating because they're number one pass game options that are just called tight end. Again, landing spot will depend, but Pitts, wherever he lands, you would like to think is going to be top three in targets immediately. I, I, I would floor me if he's not. It, it really would. Is it true? You would take Darren, you would take Kyle Pitts over Darren Waller right now? Oh, right now. I mean, not as a fancy football option because they're established. Okay. But like moving but forward. Moving forward the next two years, yeah. I'd rather have Kyle Pitts. He's that good, people. Do not miss him. I know, I know he's uh, being priced, you know, towards the ceiling right now, but he is certainly deserving of that. Uh, one quick note, if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. They have everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do. But that's it. No in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your, be- selects your best performers every week, saving you loads of time. Go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge interscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now Underdog fantasy check me out over with the fine folks at roto world or whatever they call that company now uh friday night 6 p.m eastern my friend john diggle and i will be doing an underdog fantasy best ball draft plenty of brews during the time mike you've you know got 10 20 podcasts today talking all college football you've answered a ton of awesome questions already i want to get a little funky now though we've talked enough about prospects you know i had unfortunately I thought it was a great article. Our editors did not think it was a great article. I wanted to do Remember the Titans, but give out PFF grades. And they were like, that's a bad idea, Ian. We are not letting you publish that in the middle of draft season. I said, okay, uh, but this is, this is my podcast. So I'm it's a June talk. article. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. June article. But this is my podcast. So I'm at least going to waste a couple minutes of people's time with this fictional football player idea. Mike, what fictional football player from any movie, book, whatever, do you think would receive the highest season-long PFF grade? I feel like it's got to be Bobby Boucher, right? You know, it's got to be. Or I was thinking also Air, right Airbud. Oh, I can't. I can't exactly remember how how dope his stats were, but he was a golden receiver, <laughs> at least. Um, one of Bobby Boucher, though. I mean, his he single handedly took them to the national title. So got to get it, to him. Or, it's or sixteen so. sacks in the season opener, and they lost. Yeah. And that quarterback yeah. had the audacity to like chew him out after the game, just. Just a shame. Bobby Boucher, you know, freaking 6-3 went over Clemson, 5-0 went over Louisville. He returned a block field goal to win against Iowa. 
I will say, if you slow down that screen there, that knee might have been short on that uh, block field goal return. Luckily, NCAA did not have a replay yet. But yeah, man, I, I was trying to go through some, you know, may force dump on that Bama squad. You know, Julius Campbell, remember the Titans? It, it's Bobby Boucher. That, that dude might have had yeah. triple digit sacks. Mike, one, one player I know we share an affinity for is Golden Tate. You're a Notre Dame alum. I just appreciate him because I've never seen someone love scoring touchdowns while like backpedaling into the end zone like this guy. What is your favorite Golden Tate moment? Because right now he's a free agent. Maybe the career's not over. I don't. I, I think he can find a spot in a three wide receiver set somewhere. But I think it's safe to say we've seen the best years of his career. Favorite Golden Tate moment? This one's not close. I mean, he's my favorite Notre Dame player of all time, and the celebrations are off the, the troll god. When he jumped into, and I was at this game, Michigan State at home, jumps there. into the band. Was I mean I, the place? Notre Dame Stadium is never like lit up quite like that. It was incredible. I'm just like, what just happened? The you never think anyone would ever do anything quite like that. Just score a touchdown and literally swan dive into the bands as if it just to troll them, just like straight up be like, I don't I think he got flagged, jumped. right? No, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, like it was close enough where it looked like, oh, it might have accidentally just fallen in, but no, he straight up dove into the band, <laughs> dunked on him. I mean. That, that must that's have been still like, the best celebration ever, in my opinion. It must have been like, you know, 12, 13 years ago. We've never seen anyone like come close to doing that same thing. Like that. For that exactly. ball to be thrown in that placement, for him to be in that exact moment where he could do that dive and not even get the penalty for and, it. And he didn't even like, that's a, he doesn't, you can't plan that. That's just a split <laughs> second. I'm going fucking, I'm going in. And that's, that's why he's the best. Exactly. And that's the type of attitude that got him through this career. We had, uh, you know, some other just great NFL moments. Uh, Seahawks catches a long one over Janoris Jenkins and then just taunts. I think it was Rodney McLeod, like all the way to the end zone. Just Way's ridiculous. Divide. Double covered versus the Vikings in OT. Catches it, you know, get off me, Harrison Smith. And then flip kicks his way into the end flip zone. Kick. I think that has oh. to be his best NFL one. Yeah, the one where he throws his ass right into the DV state. Just like <laughs> literally... He saw him. I, I think he thought he was alone. He just happened to scissor kick yeah. that dude. <laughs> and he just rocked up. But truly, Golden Tate. Hope you find a squad somewhere, man. If not, hell of a decade Go. plus. Packers, boom. Sign me up, man. Yeah. That's going to do it, everybody. Mike, thank you for the time, man. Let people know what you got in the docket and what you got on PFF.com. Yeah, go check out the draft guide. The final version is out right now. Huge. 300 players. Team pages. It was... Fucking, it was a lot. It was a, it was a, it was a big one this year. So go check it out. Honestly, well worth whatever the ten dollars you have to pay to get it. Any subscription gets it. So go ahead and check that out. And everyone, you can catch Mike on the PFF Draft Show, which we will have on PFF.com starting April 29th. We'll be covering every round with live reactions and analysis from Chris Collinsworth, PFF's team of draft analysts, and guest appearances from Richard Sherman, Al Michaels, and more. Again, every round, PFF.com. And like Mike said, the latest draft guide is finally out. 300 player profiles. Subscribe to Edge or Elite to get it. And hey, man, hey, people, we've been giving you some deals. You know, $10 over at Underdog Fancy. You can go play some best ball. Also get your draft guide. So great stuff, Mike. Thank you again, man. He's Mike. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. Peace.